Welcome to the Unstoppable Podcast, the official podcast of Unstoppable Domains. Join us each week to hear from leading experts in the exciting new fields of blockchain, cryptocurrency, and the decentralized web, where we talk about the future of the internet and what that means for humans like us. Not only will this podcast help you sound super smart around your friends, but you'll also learn how you can become a pioneer in this space and help lead the charge toward a more decentralized web. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Unstoppable Podcast. I'm your host, Diana Chen, and I'm here with our guest, Temak Weber. He is the Vice President of Business Development at Opera. And before I bring him on, I just want to share a very special and exciting announcement. We have been working very hard at Unstoppable Domains on an integration with Opera Browser, and we're very excited to announce that you can now access .crypto decentralized websites directly from the Opera Browser on desktop, Android, or iOS. And so I'm going to bring Temak on now to chat a little bit more about what this means and about Opera and his personal crypto journey as well. Welcome, Temak. Thanks so much for being here. Hi, Diane. Thank you very much for having me on board. Of course. I'm so excited to talk to you about this. So to start off, why don't you tell us a little bit more about what you guys have been working on? So Opera Browser, for people who don't know, you guys have actually been around for over 25 years. And I think now you have over 350 million users, maybe even more than that. Does that sound about right? That sounds about right. Actually, a bit more, 380 million, not too bad. 380. Okay, awesome. That's extremely exciting. So tell me a little bit more about the team's more recent iterations and the recent focus on turning Opera into the browser for crypto. Yeah, exciting. Really, really excited to work with you guys at Unstoppable Domain. So they started probably about a year and a half ago talking to you guys around integrating the Unstoppable Domain domain registry. Initially on Opera for Android, we started the work already around 2018, 19. And uh, this year, we really decided to expand the family of, of browsers that we have. So we brought this in into the desktop, which has around 80 million users worldwide, and also our iOS Opera Touch. Uh, so that's something we've been working diligently for the last six months. And we're super excited to, to announce that together with you guys. That's awesome. And take me back to, you know, when Opera first decided to shift towards this direction of being more crypto friendly and appealing more to this audience. What went into that decision and what caused you guys to make the decision to pivot towards that? So, you know, we've been uh, in the middle of the Internet, right? And the Internet is always a very exciting place. There's a lot of things happening. And one of the things that we saw early on already by 2010, 11, crypto was coming in. And of course, we were watching it. We watch all the new technologies coming in. But by 2015, 16, we started getting quite interested. It was kind of scaling. We saw new blockchains, layer one technology coming out there. And we, we started seeing some uh, interesting facts that the browser is kind of the central point where a lot of the people were discovering this new technology, right? But the interaction between, uh, let's call it Web 2.0, which is the, the world that we live in today, the, uh, you could say, server to client versus decentralized world, was already kind of coexistent, but the user journey was was not the best. And we realized that pretty early on. There was companies like MetaMask doing a great job at actually providing that kind of first bridge, you could call it, towards the Web 3.0. So we took the opportunity to say, hey, as a browser, we're kind of the middle player of these two technologies. Why not go in there and try to facilitate, bridge these two two worlds, right? So that that's a little bit where we started. Start early on around 2016 with early discussions. 
And by 2017-18, we, we started getting to work on it. What we decided to do was actually build a native uh, crypto wallet inside the browser itself. So the first time that a browser company was doing this, you know, to fully integrate that experience, both in, in Ethereum and also attached to the DApp world, right? So just kind of provide a bridging between both the blockchain, but also all these decentralized apps. And Unstoppable Domains was one of those first partners that we saw as you could say one of the killer apps, right? Like that's kind of the future of the internet. And uh, yeah, we started working with you guys early on and that's pretty much how we got started. Let's just break that down a little bit for people who maybe aren't so familiar. Let's talk about more of the real life application of what all of this means. So there's sort of two components to what you just said. The first is your last point with the partnership with Unstoppable Domains. Now Opera has become the first browser out there to allow .crypto websites to natively resolve without downloading any extensions or making any changes to your DNS settings. So previously, if a user wanted to access a decentralized website, they would have to download a browser extension or more recently, you know, you, you've been able to change your DNS settings on Brave and Firefox and Chrome to access .crypto websites. But now with Opera, you can simply type in a .crypto website just like you would type in a .com URL and that'll take you to the website automatically. So that's part of it that's very exciting. And then the other part is you mentioned that Opera has their own crypto wallet built into the browser, sort of like MetaMask. Talk a little bit more about what this means in real life, like what will users actually be able to do and practice with this feature? Yeah, so as you said, that those two ecosystems, it's a little bit difficult to understand if, if you're not in this kind of uh, technology or ecosystem. But actually, there's like these different bridges. One is in today, as you said, you're going to, to a website and actually need to resolve that DNS from a browser position. It makes sense that from an end user, you should not really distinguish web 2.0, which is the normal DNS versus the dark crypto domains, right? That's one of the things that we, we took care as one of the first important points to, to resolve. The second part was actually interacting with this decentralized ecosystem that there are some components where you have to go to discover a lot of these dApps, for example, in Ethereum, right? And we also saw that part to be a bit missing, where you actually, if you wanted to play around with some dApps, you needed anyhow a crypto wallet to hold some Ethereum, for example. And that was also detached, right? So we decided to actually combine all of these things, you know, to make it more cohesive for a user to actually start, you know, experimenting with this new ecosystem of decentralized apps and the, the blockchain. If you go back in time, now as a browser, we saw similar things on the mobile adoption, right? So I give you an example of speed dials that we call in Opera, which is a one click to internet. And you know, in a lot of the markets that we became very popular, it was difficult for people to type in small devices. So instead of actually having to resolve that entire DNS, like www.whateverlongname.com, we just created this little icon where people familiarize with the icon in order to click and actually resolve that DNS automatically. And that became quite popular. And yeah, later on, other browsers adopted that kind of functionality. So we saw some similarities, you could say, between that area and what we see now in blockchain. And that's one of the things that actually we got super excited about. Again, to bridge this uh, new technology into yeah, the, the older technology we call Web 2.0. 
Yeah, that's so awesome. It's something that we've talked about on the podcast a lot is dApps like CryptoKitties that's been really popular and then blockchain games as well. And so basically now if you want to buy a CryptoKitty, for example, it'll be a lot easier to do so on Opera because you can just go on the CryptoKitty and then your wallet is automatically linked in the browser. You can make the purchases very easily instead of in the past, if you wanted to buy CryptoKitty, you would have to link your MetaMask wallet, get that extension, set all of that up in order to make the purchases. So I think this is going to be a really good way to get the masses more involved in this space because it's really breaking down a lot of those barriers to entry into the space for people who are not crypto natives. Yeah, exactly. That actually is a very important point because it's always about the user experience, right? And it's the little things that, that count. Also, users have been working or, or playing around in the internet now for, for quite a long time, right? And there's an expectation about user experience. When you bring in a new technology like blockchain and how it works, it's a very different way of engaging. It becomes a bit technical, which is what we, we saw also in the early days of mobile internet adoption. So what we try to do is remove all of the complexity, which is quite complex, right? And, and actually just make that transition easier. So we're trying to do that together with partners like you guys, right? Where we actually just lower the barrier of entry, both as, as you indicated, in terms of making it usable, but also making it fun to, to try, right? Not, not too complicated where you have to do too many steps and you get lost. So those are some of the things that, you know, for the last 25 years, we've been really playing a pretty central role when it comes to, to the internet and the internet evolution. For sure, for sure. Okay, so let's back up a bit and talk more about Opera in general. So like I mentioned before, Opera has been around for over 25 years now. Take me back through the journey of Opera, how it's evolved over time, and then also tell users you know, who maybe haven't used Opera before or aren't familiar with Opera, it's a Chromium browser. What does Chromium mean? And then how is Opera similar to or different from Chrome and other Chromium browsers? Good question. Uh, absolutely. So, yeah, as you said, we, we started a long time ago. Actually, Opera came out of uh, a research from Telenor, which is one of the operators, uh, the biggest mobile operator or operator in, in Norway. One of the main things that they wanted to tackle was actually, or they envisioned, was mobile internet. And they started back in 1995. So you can imagine this was way ahead of its time. Uh, <laughs> we thought back in those days that mobile internet was going to be pretty massive, and yeah, if you think about it, there were just not, not even access points towards what we consider now mobile internet. But one of the things that we did pretty well in the early 2000s was develop a technology to really allow any kind of device with any kind of network to actually have a pretty, really decent experience surfing the internet. That, that's actually where Opera really became quite popular. We had this technology based in-house, which was based on Presto, which we, it was our own rendering engine. We developed that from scratch. But what we saw as time went by, and this comes in tied into Chromium, is that the whole CSS technology that actually our CTO was one of the founders of became quite complex to, to maintain. And, and we saw an opportunity with Chromium to actually create a more standard, more safe place to build a better ecosystem. So when you talk about Chromium, this is the rendering engine. It's a very, I would say, robust engine that allows for a lot of adaptability and innovation on top of it. We decided back in 2000, I believe it was 2011, 2010, 2011, to actually move towards Chromium. 
as you know, Chromium is a Google engine. And you can actually build a lot of different components on top of it. And one of the things that we saw pretty early on is that we want to create kind of a, a personalized browser, right? We, we didn't want to do kind of um, a standard stock browser. We want to differentiate on very particular features. And Chromium allowed for that. So, yeah, over the years, we've been building our browser on top of Chromium. Yeah, you could say we're probably the largest developer of Chromium outside of Google today, uh, which is quite impressive from that point of view. That is very impressive. And the other thing I was going to ask is, so you guys have over 380 million users now. So obviously it's hard to generalize and say who all the users are, what category they fit in. Can you sort of talk about like, who are the types of people, like maybe the main categories of people that are using Opera today? And how do you see the current demographic growing or maybe shifting in the future? Yeah, actually, it's a very interesting uh, question because over the years, we've seen kind of a, a big change on people's mentality around browsing, right? Browsing, it's something that you don't think too much about. You just go into a laptop and, you know, you see a browser, you don't think too much about it. And then you go to the search and then you start searching and uh, yeah, using a browser function. But over time, I think what, what people realize is that there's a lot of features within a browser that become quite important, things like privacy, things like personalization. And, and those are the things that actually as Opera, we, we spent a lot of time over the last many, many years perfecting, right? So if you look at Opera, our segmentation is, is global. We have uh, users really from all corners of the earth. When it comes to mobile versus desktop, Mobile, I would say it's more inclined to emerging markets in some parts because we have certain technologies that provide uh, data compression, which is still a really big pain point. For example, in emerging markets like Africa, Latin America, and Southeast Asia. So that technology is still very well appreciated by the users on the mobile side. When it comes to desktop, traditionally wise, we've been very, very strong in CIS and Russian markets and also in Europe and Western markets. And that, that's something that we're spending quite a lot of time on over the last, I would say, five years to actually develop very particular uh, features towards more Western type markets. Things like privacy, like building VPN, ad blocker, these kind of features that our users are asking for. So you could say that our browser is a bit differentiated because we, we personally believe it's a personal browser. You could really do a lot of feature enhancements with the browser, right? You could personalize it to your own feeling more than just having, uh, I would say, more of a stock browser. So th that would be one of the bigger differentiators. The other thing that we spend a lot of time on is really looking at features that enhance the, the usability of just a day-to-day -day browser. So for example, like messaging, we realize that people are working, they're using the browser, and then you have the mobile device and you're getting messaging. So we thought that, hey, why not try to see, we integrate some of the messaging platforms inside the browser and we saw that that became quite interesting. And uh, yeah, we further developed on that. And, and some of the things we've done recently has been more around the podcast, for example. So we integrated also music on the browser, which again, a lot of the your, your standard browsers are not really doing. So we're looking at specific features to really make that browser experience really personalized. 
Yeah, for sure. So a couple of follow-up questions to that. The first is for listeners who aren't users of Opera, maybe haven't seen the interface, obviously you should go and check it out, but can you maybe describe to them a little bit more what you mean with your chat features and the music features being integrated into the browser? Because I think for people who are used to using Chrome or even Safari, these are features that they're not used to or they've never seen before. So it's maybe hard to envision what that looks like. One of the things that we do is try to make it very easy for the user to discover these features, right? So when you open the browser itself, you'll see kind of like a little column on the left-hand side of the browser with all these icons, which are quite familiar. So you'll have Messenger, you have WhatsApp, you have Instagram, and then you have the music as well as part of the tabs, right? So these are kind of self-discovery features. And during the onboarding, we also provide information to the user to try out these, these new features. So I would say it's, you know, just... Go to opera.com, download the browser and give it a spin. It's quite self-discoverable. The thing that we kind of spend time on, it's really, as I indicated before, just trying to make it as personalized as possible for the users in order to try different features that might be more applicable. Uh, the same thing for the, the VPN is something we started working on, must be in four years now. And we just made it very simple. We just have a switch where you just go on the top left side, you just switch VPN, you choose your... Uh, location that you want to use it. And there you go. It's just as simple as one little switch and you're all safe and protected. That's awesome. Yeah. And I, I think that's something that you mentioned earlier that I wanted to touch on too, is the privacy element of it and Opera's focus on privacy. I think especially as we move into the era of web 3.0 and everything is on chain, one of the biggest concerns that people have right now is with privacy. Right. So with everything being on chain and easily visible, how do we maintain privacy in that Web3 era? Can you talk a little bit more about your views on that or maybe Opera's plans for the future uh, around privacy? Yeah, it's actually so that there's a big discussion going on with cookies right now, uh, as you know. Right. So, uh, I mean, it's something that we take very seriously with an Opera for many, many years. We actually under European regulation and data privacy is it's at the core of, of Opera's DNA. And it has been for the existence of the company. We try to make it personalized in a way that we, we bring safety to the user by providing these kind of features like VPN, like app blocking, like anti-tracing. We're very adamant about really this part of, of GDPR, for example, in Europe, and, and really tremendous privacy. And it's been at the heart of, of what we do. And it's actually one of the reasons why a lot of uh, users in particular markets are attracted to our product, right? Because they know that we take this very seriously. At the same time, I think for companies like Unstoppable Domains, of course, they, they see the value of the internet and, well, apart from providing the privacy, also the accessibility is also very important to us. So these things go hand on hand, which are just important things of the evolution of, of accessibility to information for everybody. Got it, got it. And then as Opera grows and as we move into more of the Web 3.0 age, I guess, what are your plans for marketing to crypto natives and then also to the masses? What we see so far and we've seen already for a number of years is, of course, like any new technology, it takes time for adoption. It, normally, the small changes go unnoticed for a long time until they're very impactful. Uh, and we, we've seen this over the last 25 years when developing browsers and the evolution of browsers. So we see similarities with blockchain. You know, there's a lot of innovation happening in this space that it's uh, it's almost mind-breaking, right? Like all this new innovation that is happening 
at all layers of this blockchain, right? Like layer one, layer two. What we see also is more and more adoption for main, mainstream players, right? To really start interacting with this new decentralized ecosystem. Of course, there's still a lot of things that need to be resolved in terms of uh, governance and how this decentralized world will interact with the existing world. But those are some of the things that we're kind of spending a lot of time and being a bit selective about, you know, how do we tackle it? And this is why, you know, as Opera, we haven't gone full blast and ding and whistles everywhere. We just want to be a bit serious about what makes sense in order to lower the barrier of entry for a lot of the users that want to start interacting with this uh, decentralized world, right? It will take some time, to be honest, but well, we've been here 25 years. We are ready to be here another 25 years and hold hands to, to build those bridges. And I think that's what we're doing with companies like you guys, right? Exactly, exactly. And we really appreciate companies like you guys like taking the initiative to move the web more towards uh, decentralization and, and move the web forward. As you guys are making announcements like this and working on other things, do you see other browsers following suit and also building in functionalities like this? Or how do you see this market developing? Yeah, we, we see definitely there's a, a big adoption on the browser ecosystem to, I mean, they're, they're paying attention for sure. Of course, there's a couple uh, smaller browsers that, that are coming in pretty strong on the crypto blockchain side. Uh, Brave for sure is doing a lot of inroads within this, which, which we're happy. Actually, it's, it's not a bad thing. As Opera, as I said, I mean, we have a, a long-term legacy of trying to open up these new technologies. And the way that we go about it, it's slowly but surely. I would say that's that's what we see. So I think over the next, you know, five to 10 years, there's going to be a lot of exciting new innovation happening in this space. I think we'll be ready to see what kind of fits uh, in order to to adapt those those pieces of technology to make it to make it even better. There are so many things that could come out of this decentralized blockchain ecosystem that uh, it's really exciting. But it's so broad. That's also one of the things, right? That there's so many things that you could work on that we have to be a bit selective on what makes sense from a browser and how do you make that bridging into this new technology. Exactly. And can you share or maybe tease any other exciting developments that Opera has planned for the remainder of 2021? Yeah, what I can tell you is that there are many, many exciting things. I would like to disclose a lot of the things that we're doing, but of course, uh, we're under a little bit uh, stricter regulations. We're an Nasdaq listed company and, you know, we cannot really speculate on too much. But uh, I would say, yeah, just keep an eye open on Opera. There, there's going to be a lot of new exciting things coming out. Even this quarter, there'll be some really interesting announcements coming out with... Uh, couple of really interesting blockchain partners. I think it will show our commitment to towards the community and what we feel about expanding it, both expanding the reach, but also trying to lower that entry barrier for more users to come in and, and try this new technology. I know this is an impossible question to answer, but if you had to envision where we'll be in 10 years with the internet, paint that picture for us. Oh, that's a, that's a very good question. You know what they say in technology, uh, normally the changes, they don't seem very impactful in the short term, but they're more impactful in the long term. So I think actually I'm a very strong believer of blockchain and it will change the way that we think about the internet today. I think it's really going to boil down to the user, individual user holding its own data at any given time, right? Browser will just be a medium for interactivity on the internet, right? How we call the internet, if it's going to be decentralized, absolutely, I believe that will be the case. 
that it will be down to each user that they will hold all of the data, let it be from the search history and what they like to their signature. Yeah, a lot of exciting stuff over the next uh, 10 years. I think it's going to be quite amazing to see. Okay, well, I want to switch gears a little bit and talk a little more about your personal crypto journey. So you mentioned that back in 2016-ish is when Opera started talking about making these plans to shift more towards the crypto space. But I'm just wondering, like, for you personally, is that when you got interested in crypto or what got you interested in crypto in the first place? Yeah, actually, it's a good story. I've always been very interested in new technology. So I've been following crypto early on, I would say from 2012 onwards. I never really bought any Bitcoin or anything like that, but just following up a little bit around what was going on and this mysterious Satoshi guy that developed this new way of exchanging a new currency. So I've been following quite closely, I would say from 2012, 13. Of course, being in a tech company, it's something that always pops up. One of the first things we started thinking about as we're based in the Nordics was around the mining, what was going on around Bitcoin mining and, and to see if that would be something that we could be involved in. Uh, as Opera, you know, we have a lot of users and we use a lot of data centers. So for us, it was kind of natural to look into this space, right? Like, hey, can we do something with our own technology to go potentially into mining? And that's really when, it, when I started getting involved uh, a little bit around the entire blockchain, right? So in 2015, it's combined between Opera and, and personal. Uh, so it's not really personal. It's Opera related anyhow. But in 2015, we started looking a little bit around what we could do around mining. And, and as part of that exercise is really when I got quite involved around understanding the ecosystem. So looking at things like exchanges, looking at things as mining, also looking at, you know, token generation. It was one of the things that we were looking at. I think during that time, Brave was coming out as well. And that's how I got kind of uh, involved in the project. And from there on, I actually, how I learned on, on this was really talking to a lot of the partners, right? As a business developer, I'm in contact with pretty much all the ecosystem. And uh, yeah, I just learned by talking to a lot of people in the ecosystem for many years. And yeah, just going out to a lot of the events and really understanding what, what the technology was about. To me, what was really interesting to see is that the innovation part of uh, blockchain was quite amazing, right? It's, it's just moving really, really fast, and it has a lot of really interesting similarities to what I saw both in the internet, so the dot-com era, right? Like all these new services coming out on top of the internet, and also with mobile, uh, mobile internet. I was also quite involved before Opera uh, worked in telecommunications, so I was always very involved on the technology side. So I saw the blockchain kind of similar trend as that technology. So that's how I got interested in kind of uh, inside the, the crypto world. Then, of course, I became kind of uh, default uh, involved on Opera as part of the, the, the whole initiative that we had around crypto. So that's uh, how we started. Got it. Got it. Yeah. So you were super early days back in 2012, 2013. And obviously, there's a lot more resources out there today to learn about crypto and blockchain than what existed back in 2012, 2013. So props to you for being able to learn in your own creative ways back then. But do you have any sort of go to blogs or books or even people on the internet that you like to reference for more crypto learning as we know like crypto is always developing and so there's always more to learn about it but just for people out there who are new to the space and want to learn more can you direct them to any resources that you think have been really helpful for you so that they can start learning as well 
Yeah, definitely. So I think some of the Discord channels are really good. There's a lot of information on Discord in general. So if you go and check on crypto, uh, you can find a lot of the information. Of course, Twitter. I would say Twitter is a great place to kind of monitor the, I would say, the temperature on crypto and blockchain. There's a lot of stuff going on. And then uh, I subscribe to some of the uh, podcasts as well. Podcasts are becoming, I would say, for the last year and a half to two years, there's been a lot of great content coming out in podcasts. Of course, Unstoppable Domains uh, now coming out with uh, with this podcast as well. It just there's so much information out there nowadays that it's difficult to to know where to to go sometimes. But I would say those would be my three sources. Then, of course, as I said, nothing like really talking to to the ecosystem. And actually, one of the great things about the the blockchain ecosystem it's uh, it's actually they're super open. So you could actually reach out to anybody, and yeah, people just give you time, and and they love to talk about this technology, right? So even I would recommend don't be shy uh, if you could make connections in LinkedIn or you know just go and reach out in Twitter or Discord. People will just give you the time and. They will love to spend time to tell you all about the technology and what they're doing on it. Yeah, that's very true. I mean, I can echo that from my own experience as well. So to give people like a little sneak preview into what they could learn from this, I'm just curious, how would you explain blockchain and the decentralized web to somebody who has no background in this? It's a very uh, tricky question because it's a very technical question when, when you know about how it works. But I would say today blockchain has the capacity to change the future of the internet in a much better way, I think. Instead of having things which are centralized, you're actually dispersing that capacity. And let's put it, let's say that you take the internet and you disperse it even more. You you create a consensus around the internet, which makes it more fair and more balanced. I would say as a way of describing it, I would describe it more as a more balanced internet experience down the road. In terms of the way that the blockchain works today, it's of course still very technical uh, for an average person will be a little bit difficult to, well, not difficult, but there's a lot of information that you could find out there on the internet to, to see how it works, but it gets very technical pretty quick. But I would say, yeah, the consensus, distributed consensus is probably a good way of describing blockchain. I would put it that way. Got it. And then just to sort of translate that into like what that means for ordinary people day to day, like what are some of your favorite use cases for how blockchain and the decentralized web can change the way that ordinary people operate day to day from today until, you know, maybe 20 years down the road? I think you'll just create a, a much better internet experience in general, right? Like all these services that we see today, sometimes they're a little bit concentrated around different companies. I think blockchain will allow to remove some of that centralization and actually give the power back to the user. Today, what we see on the current internet is uh, the data of that user is being used by a number of companies. And I think that blockchain will change that. Blockchain will actually provide that user data back to the user. You know, they'll be in charge of what they want to share. They'll be in charge of how they want to connect to to different networks or different services. And I think that's kind of the long-term beauty of blockchain in decentralized world, right? 
And I know we sort of talked about this earlier a little bit with, you know, the UX of crypto right now being really bad. And that sort of Opera's goal is to make the UX better and make onboarding to blockchain and the decentralized web a little easier. But I was wondering, what are some other major challenges that you see to widespread adoption of crypto and blockchain that's preventing, you know, your friends or family members from using it today? It's very interesting question in, in two manners one is uh, i think there, there's two two main barriers one is of course the technology needs to become less technical uh, i think that will just take time for the user experience to become easier i think some of the hurdles of the user onboarding are there how to overcome those there's different ways of doing it i think there's a lot of companies right now trying to resolve that issue at different layers <laughs> i would say the second part is more regulation. I think, uh, of course, with any new technology, governments and regulators don't really understand it. I think when it comes to blockchain and crypto, there's um, concern from governments, which um, make it difficult to, to use, right? Because there's all this decentralization uh, becomes a bit of a challenge for governments to, to manage, right? So normally there's, there has to be a kind of governance behind most technologies. Uh, in the case of, of blockchain and, and crypto, that doesn't really exist. So those are some of the challenges, I think, for more mass adoption. But what, what I can tell you, what we see in emerging markets, actually, is it's uh, quite interesting to see that they actually leap technologies, right? Uh, you saw that very clearly with banking. You see that with mobile internet. I think blockchain, it's probably the biggest adoption is going to happen in emerging markets before then it will happen in Western markets. Of course, a lot of the technology is being developed for kind of Western markets, but I think the killer app will come through emerging markets. That's my personal belief. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's what I see. But in terms of adoption, yeah, there's a number of, of killer apps out there that need to be validated uh, still within this ecosystem. But I think actually Unstoppable Domains, what you guys are trying to do is, is one of those killer apps. And for the future, yeah, it looks really interesting, I would say, in the next two, three years. And then this is sort of just out of my own curiosity. I know you said when you first got into crypto, you didn't really get into Bitcoin or buy any crypto or anything like that. But I was wondering now, do you own any crypto or do you own any NFTs or outside of the sort of implications of blockchain for browsers? What are some other areas of crypto and blockchain that yours particularly interested in it can be like you know anything random like all the nft craze right now or anything like that well we, we just heard about the crazy new nft for 69 million dollars right that that was like a whopper so <laughs> that's incredible yeah that's crazy <laughs> that's crazy yeah now i really like the nft uh idea right like these non-fungible tokens and the uniqueness of having a digital uniqueness token right that that part itself uh love so actually i have a number of nfts Nothing too crazy expensive. but uh, And yeah, definitely I do some uh, cryptocurrency uh, trading at small scale, but just more for fun. Actually, I look for, it's a little bit of altcoins. And uh, yeah, I'm also trying out some stuff around stable coins. And uh, one of the things I'm, I'm trying to do is actually educate. I have three girls, different ages, so they'll have their own co-wallet. And I'm trying to teach them a little bit around this ecosystem. So they have their own little piggy bank on their co-wallet which is, uh, yeah, I find that pretty cool. So then they get to play around with it a little bit. I think actually this will be a very interesting technology for the next generation, uh, in my point of view. I think to them, 
will become a lot more natural to them than to us, right? Because we come more from this regulated uh, fiat world. So I think for for them, it will be a, a, an easier way to adopt. It could be that the next generation will be the killer app for the adoption of this technology. Yeah, that's super interesting that you have crypto wallets for your daughters already instead of, you know, the traditional piggy banks that we grew up with. I'm kind of just curious, like now that you mentioned that, have you found that it's almost been easier to explain crypto and blockchain to your daughters than it has been to explain it to your friends? Absolutely. A hundred percent. To kids, uh, they don't have the barriers that other adults have. So it's pretty funny when you explain it to a kid. I, my youngest daughter, she's nine and, you know, she picked it up pretty quick, right? She understood what an NFT was like, okay, is this unique? Yes. I don't know if it has to do because, you know, they they play uh, and they're used to trading things, uh, digital trading things, right? So they play with Roblox and they're constantly trading things, right? So to them, it was a very natural thing to adapt to. Okay, an NFT is unique. It's my unique token. Yes. Okay. Okay. So yeah, they they understand what an NFT crypto kitty is. For example, where I go to my wife, and for her, she, she just looks at me with a very strange face, saying, "What, what do you mean?" <laughs> so it's kind of fun to see, actually. There are definitely some mindset blocks that prevent the older generation from understanding NFTs. Like if we're just using NFTs as an example, you know, I think with the older generation, it's like, well, why would I pay all of this money to download a JPEG? You know, I don't even get the physical art. And I think like something that I've seen people do is they'll buy digital photo frames and they'll actually put their NFTs in these digital photo frames and hang the photo frame on their wall so that they can still look at it like traditional art. And I think like these are good ways to bridge the gap between the traditional way of thinking about art and assets and collectibles and things like that versus the new way. But I'm also interested to hear if you have noticed any sorts of mindset blocks that people have based on talking to your daughters about these things and observing the questions that they ask or the questions that they don't ask versus when you talk to your wife or your other friends uh, about these things and the questions that they ask. Have you observed any any common mindset blocks that are just, you know, preventing the older generation from understanding these concepts that maybe you can point those out and we can address those a little bit? Yeah, definitely. So one of the things I see is my kids are digital first, right? We weren't, I'm not that, right? I I came from an analog world where digital came in afterwards. So for them, I think it's a natural place to, you know, it just becomes a natural place to understand digital things right that's what they're used to they're used to digital content digital like digitally it's it's kind of in the nature right like internet is everywhere when the internet doesn't work uh, they're like what's going on you know so i think for them they don't have that barrier of understanding as adults have today i think for adults to go into the digital world it, it's a bit more cumbersome and when it comes to both uniqueness i would say digital uniqueness or digital asset it also becomes a little bit of an abstract type thought, right? So it's one thing you say, oh, Bitcoin is worth more than gold. Like, you know, uh, the older you go, the, the more difficult it becomes, right? It's a little bit, but it's just something on the internet, zeros and ones. How can it be worth more than gold? They don't understand that part. But, but I really think that the next generation, it's going to embrace uh, blockchain and crypto, right? To them, it's... And you see already 
younger generation, you know, in their twenties, to them, it's it's a natural place uh, to be in, right? So I think what you will see over the next five to ten years, it'll be bigger and bigger adoption. Of course, you still have the bigger enterprises right now. I mean, we we've seen over the last few months a massive move from uh, you traditional market players coming in, you know, more the tech type companies coming in and really starting to believe uh, on cryptocurrencies, which again supports also the blockchain to really more mass adoption over the next five to 10 years. I think it's not going to happen immediately, but I always see the trends. Again, I was quite involved on 3G on the early days. I was uh, doing 3G back in 2000 where, you know, people didn't even have uh, a screen to, to type, you know, it was just like numeric, uh, uh, little typing uh, numbers, and you saw very quickly that the killer app eventually was the iPhone, right? That that's what made mobile internet really work. Uh, before that, you know, there was no adoption, and then after that, the adoption just happened massively. So I think we're kind of at that stage with blockchain and crypto, and we're talking about five to ten years max. Uh, this is going to be super mainstream. Yeah, for sure. It's it's fun to think about even back in when the internet just started. I mean, even thinking back to like Y2K, at that point in time, we didn't even have social media. And at that time, if you talk to somebody about something like Facebook, like that, it was just hard for somebody to even wrap their minds around that. So I'm definitely very excited and curious to see some of the use cases that develop out of this and some of the cool things that we'll have in 10 years that will just feel like second nature to us then and uh, that we can't even imagine at this stage. When you look back, you, you will think, well, it was it was always supposed to be this way, right? It's almost like, of course. But when you look at it backwards, forwards, you know, it's a little bit like you, you don't see it. But, but I see a lot of similarities with the uh, dot-com era and uh, mobile internet as well. And I think we're still early on, but uh, we're getting there. Actually, we're getting to the tipping point, I think, over the next two, three years. I mean, we already saw in just one year how fast... Uh, things change when right? I went from crypto winter to crypto summer. You could say, you know, crypto, the the year of crypto love, right? It's like so many things have happened this year. So exciting to see the ecosystem bloom so much and actually blooming in the right way, right? Because I think uh, from my point of view, that crypto winter, it was a good thing in a way, right? Because there was some bad stuff happening around the community, people taking or abusing the the newness of this technology to to do you know, things that uh, didn't really build up the community. But now what I can tell you, we talk to the community quite a lot and there's a lot more seriousness around doing the right things, which is really nice to see, right? Yeah, totally agreed. Well, Tamak, thank you so much for being here. I really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you for sharing more about Opera with us and about all the exciting things that Opera has planned and really building out the browser for crypto for the future. Before you go, just tell people where they can find you and connect with you personally if they'd like to chat with you more. And then also where they can go to download the Opera browser. And then what are some of the cool and easy and interesting features that they should check out on the Opera browser initially? Just go to www.opera.com. There you can download whichever browser you want, if it's mobile, iOS, or desktop. Go and check it out. Really, it's really exciting uh, browser for you to try out. I think some of the great features that we have, both on mobile and, and desktop, are all those personalized features that I discussed about before, right? Like you want to have your messenger uh, all tucked in together with your browser, together with your podcast. Uh, together with a private browser. You have it all in one place. It looks nice. It's safe. It works. 
It's a great browser, trust me. Uh, I've been using it for many years and I've tried many other browsers. Uh, if you want to contact me, I'm always available on email. Uh, so you could send me an email at temokw at opera.com. Always happy to jump in a call and uh, discuss with the partners in the ecosystem. I'm not too present on social, too bad. Uh, I'm just too busy on calls all day. So, uh, But I'm, I'm also available in LinkedIn. Uh, if you write me a message, I'll be more than happy to jump in and uh, connect with you. And yeah, just uh, really excited to see how the community is building out and, and being part of it. And I, again, I just see a lot of excitement happening. I'm really, really, really happy to be part of it. I'm fascinated by technology and the impact that it has for the better of humanity. And I really strongly believe that blockchain and crypto is a good thing for all of us. So I'm looking forward to, to the future of it. Awesome. Thanks so much, Temak. I'm also really excited to see what upcoming developments Opera has in store in the upcoming months and the rest of 2021. And we will definitely be sharing about it on our social channels. So definitely follow us on social to stay up to date with more exciting opportunities to be involved in the decentralized web and definitely go download Opera, type in your favorite.crypto website and check out the decentralized web on the Opera browser. Thank you again, Temok. Really appreciate you being here. Thank you listeners for tuning in to another episode of the Unstoppable podcast, and we will be back again soon. Thank you, Diane. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Unstoppable Podcast. If something we said today resonated with you, please rate, subscribe, and download our podcast and share this episode on social media with your network. And remember, the fun doesn't have to stop when the episode ends. You can continue this conversation with us on Twitter by tweeting your questions, thoughts, and ideas to Unstoppable Web. We look forward to chatting with you and thanks again for listening.